Bigley and Marotta. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigley Blast. If you are an Arizona Cardinal, this week has hit a bit different because it's been awfully quiet around here, wonderfully quiet around here. Part of that is the Suns and their three marquee wins and four tries. They are starting the season the way we hope the Cardinals would all the way back in September. Now, part of the quiet is the reprieve they earned from a win on Thursday Night Football, which effectively muzzled the critics and the calls for Cliff Kingsbury's job. They are all all experiencing that serene reminder of what it means to win a football game in the NFL, to win fairly comfortably, and most of all, to actually win a game at home. Because you might not know this, but football players are people too. They like to go out to dinner. They like to go shopping. They like to occasionally chirp on social media. And all of that is hard when you're on a losing team that lands in a community's crosshairs, a losing team that becomes a public piñata, a civic punch bag, then you're a football player in a bunker. So if the Cardinals enjoyed the serenity, there's a great chance this weekend in Minnesota to raise the volume in a good way before the Seahawks and all those obnoxious, reinvigorated 12s come to Glendale. Today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Bick. Quiet, almost serene this yeah. week with the Cardinals. Let's check in at the Cardinals headquarters in Tempe. <laughs> right? Right? Crickets never sounded so good, Vinny. Yeah, where's the drama? <laughs> Where's the conflict and drama? (laughs) Right, exactly. So, again, this is football teams that go through this, that go through extended losing streaks or periods where where everyone's ragging on them. Underachieving teams, put it that way. The noise can be suffocating and it can be aggravating and and it really can keep you homebound if you're football. I've talked to many of them. You get on bad losing streaks, you do not leave the house. Yeah. And so then you get a win and you celebrate the win. Win. And if you're the Cardinals, you give out 16 game balls, and then, and then the, and then, and then, and then the week begins, and they're like, "Wow, this is nice. This is people aren't mad at us. Yeah. People are starting to like us again." And the thing is, it's that victory on Thursday Night Football quieted the critics temporarily. It didn't necessarily raise the volume of the diehards because. They still have to prove something. They're still not even at 500. But to your point, we'll never know the answer to this question, but... You think DeAndre Hopkins is sitting courtside at, at center court right. on Tuesday night against exactly. the Warriors if they're coming off a Probably loss in his not. first game? Probably, Probably not. not. And so this is this would be a reminder if you're on the Arizona Cardinals. This is this is what you got to get. You've got to win so you can experience this and you can get out of those crosshairs that are very very difficult because as you know, football is so important to so many people. It, it just it consumes everything. It consumes all types of media. Uh, I mean, just look at look at this weekend. You've got you got Tom Brady tonight, who, you know, has lost, what, three consecutive games for the first time in his career or might lose three consecutive mm-hmm. games. So there's all this pressure on him. There's all this pressure suddenly on Aaron Rodgers. There's unbelievable pressure on Russell Wilson as he runs up and down the aisle of the airplane. <laughs> he probably doesn't feel it. But, but locally <laughs> here, this is, it's a reminder that all you have to do is win. It sounds 
It sounds incredibly simple, but if you do find a way to do it, it's so much nicer. This win this week, too, would be so lovely because, I mean, let's face it. Look at the records, the combined records of the teams the Cardinals have beaten this year. They've beaten lousy teams and they've lost to the good teams. Yeah, this would be the first week where they, if they win, they will have beaten. Even if it's just record alone, they will have beaten a good team. Well, more to the point, they will have beaten a good team, and and so I think, and you couple that with the close call against Philadelphia, and maybe you build a little real civic excitement. And then, because keep in mind here, when you won that Thursday night football game in Glendale, you snapped an eight game losing streak, and also. There was a second quarter that had so many haymakers thrown Uh that the team did get a standing ovation. I saw it myself as they left the field. That was a rare moment of magic in Glendale that had really been missing. And I've talked, I know people are sick of me talking about this, but the home field advantage in Glendale had had disappeared. It, It basically had petered out. And the hope is with the win on Thursday night football and finally giving fans who care enough to show up that happy feeling the the ego boost the the identity boost leaving the stadium mm-hmm. that that maybe it starts to build it's important because there was a time when I thought the Seahawks visit to Glendale this year was going to be a layup for the Cardinals. But now the Seahawks are good. Their fan base is engaged. And we know what it's like in Glendale when Seattle plays here. We've seen it. It can get real bad. It, so this, yeah. is, this, this could be quite a little clashing of, st- of, of fan bases here. Yeah. If the Cardinals can win in Minnesota, that's going to be a big legitimate victory. And I think it's interesting to look at you know how a home win affects you going on the road. The Cardinals had been kind of immune to their home struggles on the road. I mean, the last time they played on the road didn't go well in Seattle. We, we get it. Um, but when you can get a confidence boost like that and just that psychological easing of, oh, we couldn't win at home. We finally did. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves right now. And we got 10 days to prepare for a game. That might have been one of those turn around the season kind of things. Yep. And, and it's worked in reverse in the last two years. Cardinals have been a fast-starting team and limped toward the, toward the finish line. Um, here's, a, here's a fact. DeAndre Hopkins is back. The Arizona Cardinals have never lost a football game in which DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt have both been on the field. Wow. 7-0 and last year, 1-0 and this year. J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins were two of the few players that were not on the injury report this week. <laughs> Good. Right? Yeah, no, listen, that's that's true. And a lot of it, it it's it's the swagger that they bring. It's the credibility. It's the leadership. With J.J. Watt, I think it's the leadership. And, and it, 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 well, it's just the presence of greatness is what it is. And it, and I think it, and I think it means something. So this will be this will be interesting here because I do think that D Hop um, in his time away, particularly with that six game PED suspension, uh, the viewpoint of who are the best wide receivers in football, they, the, it, the train moved down without him. Mm-hmm. And that game last week was a sort of a reminder that hey, not so fast, right? Well, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And DeAndre Hopkins was out of sight, so he was out of mind for a lot of people, and and it was hard to to to. Th- Thrust him in that group of the top uh, receivers, along with guys like Justin Jefferson, who are doing it every week. But that was an arrival. That was a you know, hey, hey I'm back. Mm-hmm. And I know we got the promo running where Burnsy says, uh, or actually, it's Luke, the, the hype video, and then he delivered. He delivered. He did. And the offense, it's not fixed. We talked about it last week. 
Everything's not perfect, but man, it's nice to have a Band-Aid like DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, it is. It, it really, really is. And and because it, it clearly calms down Kyler Murray, it, it opens things up. Uh, I'll be curious to see if he can stack a game. Yep. Like I said, it, it, we have to be consistent with the fact that Thursday night football, it's hard to, it's hard to extrapolate anything. Th- those games are so bizarre and so veered that y- you don't know really what's real well, in those games. And we got one sample, too, of DeAndre Hopkins not only being back, but used differently than he's been used in the past with him moving around to different spots, you know, lining up in the slot. slot. He was very effective. Kyler Murray talked about that yesterday. I think it's a necessity. I think, you know, his first year here, he had 1,400 yards. I don't know how. You know, we, we literally just, he lined up at, lined up on the left side of the field, and uh, we just kind of went to work, which, you know, every week it was, why, you know, why are people allowing us to do this? I don't know, but it happened. And then, you know, last year he was moving around a little bit more, uh, ended up getting hurt and stuff like that. But I think for us to easily, you know, just give him easy completions and get the ball in our best player's hands, got to move him around for sure. Pulling back the curtain wow. there uh, in Holy the studio. When Kyler Murray said, I don't know how he had 1,400 yards that first year. Big and I looked at each other like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, like whoa, yeah. This is that, but that's the truth of it. It, it is. is the truth of it, and it's. And I'm glad the quarterback doesn't have any issues speaking it. The honesty has does seep into Kyler Murray's comments sometimes, and it's refreshing. It is refreshing. I like it. If if they were, struggled that much to stop DeAndre Hopkins knowing where he was going to be at all times, mm-hmm. this can only be a good thing. <laughs> but here here's the thing about DeAndre Hopkins: a band aid is great. But an ointment is better. Because a Band-Aid just covers up what's wrong. An ointment actually makes it better for the long term. So hopefully it's a long-term fix and not just covering up the warts. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins' new nickname, Neosporin. No? No, that doesn't hit. It doesn't yeah, hit? No, no. <laughs> Neo for short? Neo, yeah. Neo Nuke. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at uh, 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Bick mentioned it in this discussion. There are some quarterbacks around the NFL under big pressure, including one old guy who will take the field tonight in Tampa. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. We've seen some underwhelming football on Thursday nights this year. You guys have been underwhelming the last couple of weeks. Is it plausible to think we could see a, a significant improvement from the offense Thursday night? Um, I mean, like I said, I hope we go play well and execute well and uh, and do our jobs at a high level. That's obviously expectation for all of us. That's what we're working toward this weekend. Wow, that is Tom Brady sounding less than confident (laughs) after a question that was set up for him to actually sound confident. Yeah. Is it plausible you see some improvement offensively on Thursday night? I, I, I know it's apples to oranges, but we were asking the same questions here in Arizona last Thursday night. Can the offense get untracked? And they scored 28 points offensively, the Cardinals did. It is possible. Tom Brady, I mean, Kurt Warner might be onto something. Man, he looks beaten. He, he does. He sounds beaten. He does. The on-field body language is weird. It, it, it What's weirder still is uh, these press gatherings that he's doing now, he's not even trying to look good. And that's fine, but it's very not on brand for him. To, to to show up constantly with all the stubble and and the gaunt look and yeah. and the hat, 
he I, I mean that's he's not that's not effective marketing of the TB12 brand and, and again, the divorced dad look it, it kind of it kind of you try to look good when you're eating TV dinners every night yeah. <laughs> you do you make it sing Salisbury steak macaroni and cheese. and cheese I love mac and cheese Keep stroganoff Mac Davis. Mac Davis. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, so I agree with you. There's I, this this life has taken a toll on Tom Brady, and it's it's painful to watch. Is it? I mean, well, that's it, coming it, from you. Are you being it, genuine when you say I, that? I really am. It is painful I, to no, watch. No, I really am. It, it, it's it's painful to watch. I, I find it to be very very sad that 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 this. Is that important to him? There is a line from one of my favorite bad movies of all time. The movie is Cocktail, starring Tom Cruise. Mm. And the line is, everything ends badly or else it wouldn't end. <laughs> and that happens in 99% uh-huh. of the instances in life. I am a subscriber to that belief. Thank you, Brian Flanagan. Um, Tom Brady was in the 1%. Of guys where it didn't have to end badly. No. He chose this. I know. And so I can't believe you, the, you know, outspoken oh, hater of Tom Brady I on this him, show, you're I, more compassionate about this than I am. I find him absolutely repulsive. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I think he's duplicitous. I think he's a cheater. I, I think a lot of things about Tom Brady. that are, And not not a lot of them are good. But that's me. That I'm a sports fan. I can like who I want and, and not like who I don't want to like. And that's fine. Everybody has that right. You can be irrational about it. Sure. That's the beauty of being a sports fan. But in, but in the but in the human element, it just it just strikes me as sad that, that he looks this unhappy and he looks he looks at to quote Kurt Warner he looks this exhausted and this was more important to him than that mm-hmm. than his family than than clearly a promise that he that he made to his wife at one point in time that he just you know I really can't bring myself to do that do you think there's it a just, ch- I mean the way this is trending do you think there's a chance he doesn't finish the season I don't know I the reason why I say no is because I think Tom Brady I th- Okay, this is just me speculating. I, I really think that he's checking off this year and this box because he's stuck playing for a team he didn't want to play for this year, yeah. and he wants to get somewhere else. That, that to me, is really the saddest thing, is that Tom, Bra- Tom Brady, even after the, the toll of this year, he's going to go somewhere else. And I, I made the prediction, and I heard from people said, "Hey, I made that before you did." Okay, Tom Brady going back to Foxborough would that be something? Football players do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I messed up that ending. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rescript the ending. I'm going to, and and generally it comes in the form. LeBron of, James, anyone? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. LeBron might do it three times, might go back to Cleveland. Oh, he's definitely going back to Cleveland at some point. Do you really think Tom Brady could unseat Billy Zappi, though, at quarterback? Bailey Zappi? (laughs) Bailey Zappi, sorry. (laughs) Billy Zappi. You went half Bailey Zappi and half William Zabka. Yes. Uh, Another quarterback with pressure, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, not playing well, and they got a tough road game. Sunday night football in Buffalo against the well-rested Bills. Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show earlier this week and talked about young players needing to be held accountable. Uh, that And they need to pay for their, their mistakes with reduced playing time. That obviously got a lot of reaction around football. Rodgers himself said this. One of those guys has a problem with it. 
I'm right here. I love to have a conversation. I enjoy those conversations, you know. I enjoy any type of uh, conflict like that because I know the resolution on the other side is going to make us, uh, you know, a better unit, a better friendship, a better cohesion on the field. But nobody's come to me and said, I got a problem with what you said. I think everybody knows, uh, Matt included, uh, that, you know, everything's got to take a little uptick, get a little better. I would say Aaron Rodgers is totally full of crap, but I think that ayahuasca took care of that. (laughs) If anybody's Uh got a problem with what I said, come get me. I love having those conversations. He's getting a lot of criticism for the estate. Barbecued. Yes. Barbecued. Because this is this is anything but leadership and it's coming from a guy who was disengaged from the off season workout program where he could have had reps with all these young wide receivers mm-hmm. whom are now letting him down so dramatically and profoundly. That's it. Uh, look, it, again, it, you, you can't have it both ways like that, but that's what Aaron Rodgers seems to want here. And, you know, he, he, he's also a guy that's been yapping about retirement and, you know, finding himself and this and that. He, he, he sounds like a guy who's who's kind of only about in it about 70%. Yeah, right now it seems yeah. that way. Greg Jennings is one of his former teammates. He's on the, the, uh, the Craig Carton show on uh, FS1. Uh, and he criticized Aaron Rodgers for the way he's handled this situation. Uh, we understand this. Like, guys are going to have missed assignments and mental errors. The amount of missed assignments and mental errors, it has never been a high number in Green Bay. That's just not, it's not accepted. It's not something that we do. But, Aaron, you can't do this. No. You, you, you can't sit on a forum like the Pat McAfee show. And I love Pat. Pat doing an um, unbelievable job. But you can't just vent about everything that's wrong in the locker room, on the field, and not talk about your lack of production. Like, you have to go out front before you pull everybody out in front of you to guard what your your performance has looked like. He hasn't been... I would not have a problem if he's calling out his teammates and he's been playing lights out. Right. But he has not. No. And that's the part that rubs people the wrong way. It's like you can't act as though you your your game has just been last year MVP level. That's the key of it. Aaron Rodgers isn't lifting anybody else right now. He had lifted his teammates in the past, mm-hmm. uh, even with more talent on the roster. And, and you know, his openness right now, it, there's a fine line between it being refreshing to be that open and communicative when things are going well. But now we talk about that frustration. Things are not going well, and he's still talking as much yeah. and still as uh, accessible as he was. People are getting frustrated. With Why him. did he stay in Green Bay? He doesn't like it there. He doesn't like the team around him. I don't understand why he just didn't go through with the the trade demands and go somewhere with more talent and be happier. You know who I blame for all of this? The producers at Jeopardy. Mm. <laughs> they could have given him the job and he would have gone away. Oh. <laughs> no, he wouldn't have actually. There's only like 30 taping days all year for Jeopardy. I think the answer. I think the answer to your question, Jared, is the fact that. As much as he wants to act like I'm a rebel, you can't hurt me, he's incredibly sensitive to criticism and mm-hmm. incredibly engaged in media. And and I think he just did the calculus and, and, and said, I'm going to take the path of least resistance, even though even though I, I really should go hit a reset button yeah. somewhere. He could have been the quarterback in Denver. He could have yeah. been. And we'd be skewering him for... 
being terrible in <laughs> Nathaniel right. Hackett's Subway offense. Commercials. Uh, join Kona Big Wave this Sunday for a Red Sea Road Rally as the Cardinals take on the Minnesota Vikings. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, and food specials all game long this Sunday. It's at Phillies on Priest Drive in Tempe. Coming up next, we'll get a closer look at the Cardinals' opposition on Sunday. The Minnesota Vikings, their color commentator Pete Bursich joins us next. Typically, Marauder Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Cardinals headed to a place where they haven't won since 1977. Minnesota, home of the Vikings, who are off to a 5-1 and one start. Uh, that game on Sunday, here to give us a look at the Vikings on Thursday. Uh, color commentator for the Vikings on their radio network, Pete Bursich, joins us here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Pete, thanks for making time for us this morning. How are you? Oh, I'm great. And, you know, you, you mentioned that number, but what's interesting is the home team has won eight in a row. And 12 of the last 13 matchups. So I was trying to remember the last time the Vikings won in Arizona. And it had, it must be at Sun Devil Stadium. And it probably was back when I was playing. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. You know, it, it's like, it's, it's an odd, it's an odd stat. Uh, for this matchup, for sure. It is. And I went back, Pete, and I looked at the, the game in 1977. Fran Tarkenton was still the quarterback for the Vikings the last time the Cardinals won there. That's like two or three oh stadiums God. ago. That's, that's um, yeah, how many? Well, it, you know, I'm in Chicago right now. I'm heading up to Racine, Wisconsin later today to do some uh, exploring of the original home of the Cardinals, right? The Racine, Wisconsin Cardinals. Oh when this whole thing started. So it's pretty amazing. I'm, you know, I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying it's amazing <laughs> uh, say, you know, dedication, how long man. the Cardinals have been around and what that team is all about. It's, it's pretty awesome. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to the bottom of what the Vikings have cooking this year. Five and one, surprising some people. Um, some people thought maybe uh, a new voice replacing Mike Zimmer was going to have this kind of effect. How good are they for a five, one, five and one football team? Um. Yeah, I, well, I, they're they're finding ways to win. Let's just put it that way. Um, and I don't mean they're you know they're like cardiac kids in that respect. Um, but it has been. I mean, you gotta, if you look at the, the Vikings team from a year ago and how many games you know, especially for example, the game we played in Arizona where you miss it by a last second field goal, mm-hmm. but we set a record for you know one score wins or losses. Excuse me, last year I believe there were seven or eight of them. Um, so there was something missing, right? There's just something missing. And, um, you know, Kevin O'Connell and, you know, his group, I think have, have sparked some of those things, brought them back. We're seeing an offense. Um, you look at Kirk cousins and with cousins, um, because I get asked about him all the time, especially on the East coast where they, you know, where they can't stand him or, or you know, they, they've seen him with Washington and, and you know, everything else they have an opinion of him. It's his completion percentage. I mean, that's the number for Kirk Cousins that tells you what's going on with him. And right now, that completion percentage is not – it's not – he came here as a 71% completion guy. Um, last year, he was at like 68, and this year, he's, he's in the lower 60s. And I think the difference with that is is he's this year is that he's learning this offense. They are giving him a lot more to handle offensively from pre-snap to the ability to put team and put the you know change some things, his involvement in this offense is not merely execution like it's been for the last four years. Mm-hmm. He's more heavily involved 
in so many different areas. And I think there's some there's some growing pains with that, right? There's some there's some you know learning. There's a learning curve with that. And so at, even though this team is five and one, there's a lot of learning going on, especially off, you know offensively and defensively. So um, fingers crossed, we still have some potential. Uh, or in, you know, to play better, even though we are five and one right now. I think that's that's kind of the hope uh, internally, and um, you know, we're going to keep we're going to keep rolling. But um, we're excited to you know, we're, we're, it's definitely a different atmosphere. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, Pete Bursich, uh, radio analyst for the uh, Minnesota Vikings Radio Network, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Growing pains for a quarterback can be helped a lot when you got a lot of weapons around you. And Kirk Cousins certainly is blessed with that, with Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. But Justin Jefferson, as a young receiver, has been nearly unstoppable, putting up good numbers again uh, this year. Uh, is it your belief, Pete, that you know, he's the premier receiver in all of football right now? He's one of them. I mean, there's – he's um, – you know, I, I believe <clears> – <throat> And I'm and I'm the only reason why I'm not coming out and saying yes um, is that he's faced some challenges. I think over the last couple of weeks, some things that teams have done to him um, that are different, and he's you know it slowed him down a little bit. Um, right now, you know, I think he's learning a lot about how to you know how to how to overcome those things. And what I'm talking about is press, you know, rolled up people pressing him, jamming at the line of scrimmage, and then keeping safeties over the top we're seeing teams change change you know when i when i was playing i played with randy moss and then um while i was coaching with the vikings randy was still there and i remember talking to scott linehan our offensive coordinator and he's like we we you know watching film because you you know you watch the defense that you're going to play you know three weeks you get all the reports you do all the digging and all that it was almost worthless because teams did so much to change what they, they just all their tendencies and all that didn't matter because they were going to do something different to try to slow down Randy, and we're starting to see I think a little bit of that with with uh, Justin Jefferson, and all I know is that teams that do not press him or if they try to play off coverage, you you, you can't let you can't turn that young man loose at the line of scrimmage. You just can't. He's too fast. He's too good. He's too quick. Has too big of a catch radius. Um, you've got to have somebody in his hip pocket all the time if you want to slow him down. So in that respect, yes, he's one of the best in the league. Interesting. All right, on the other side, so DeAndre Hopkins comes back to the Cardinal offense, and finally the offense looks like, I don't know, a real coherent NFL offense. And and so this is week two of that. What is the state of Minnesota's defense, primarily their secondary? Because the Saints were so banged up, they didn't have a lot they could do to defend the Cardinals. Yeah, and, and you, you know Patrick Peterson. You guys are familiar with Patrick, and, and you know what he's all about. Um, and so he'll he'll be one of our uh, one of our cornerbacks. The other guy, Cameron Dantzler, is a guy who we drew, we found in about the third round. Uh, I don't believe Cameron ran a, ever ran a forty uh, for scouts. There was there, he slipped in the draft. He's a very athletic player. Um, can be very very good. And he's made some big plays. He had a fumble. You know, he, he forced a fumble right at the end of the game against uh, Amir Smith Marset against the Bears to you know put that one away. Um, and he's playing better. He's 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 been on the field, off the field. He was benched under Zimmer. He was in the locker room tweeting about it. Not very happy. It's like okay, you know, now you get your chance, you know, to get out there and play. And so 
I think he's grown up quite a bit. I think, uh, you know, he's matured a little bit, and he's been playing better and better every single week, and he's been staying on the field. So, um, you know, I think um, I think Cameron Dantzler might be a bit of a difference maker. Um, Cameron Bynum, who is our other safety, is, is uh, doing a great job and doing a good job as well. So, you know, there's some – we have – the only guys that you saw last year were Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith. The other three guys that we have, you know, out there most of the time are are new. So our defense, our secondary is is, is going to be a little bit different than you saw a year ago. Uh, keeping the focus on Patrick Peterson, Pete. Uh, you know, he had he was a player here in Arizona that after that PED suspension came back, wasn't really the same player. Really dipped that next year. And I didn't watch a ton of Vikings football last year, but you know I got friends that are Vikings fans that are like, eh, he's lost a step. But all appearances are this year, he's kind of elevated his game in year two in Minnesota. Is that an accurate uh, description of what you've seen from Patrick Peterson? Yeah, I think I mean he's play he he's coming off the best game we've seen him play in quite some time against the Miami Dolphins. Now, um, you know he had an interception. He should have had another one. That was a pick six. But you have to understand. The quarterback situation, you know, in 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 Miami with Tua being out, um, and then you know, end up Teddy Bridgewater ends up having to play. So you're not facing an offense that's you know fired on all cylinders, so to speak. But he's he's a very very smart player, and I think the way Ed Donatell uses him, and and, and you know, so much of what Ed Donatell does is just gives a shell type of a look, and then tries to give you or does give you all different types of coverages out of that same look that plays into Patrick Peterson being such a veteran, you know, you're not just going to line him up and say, all right, you know, you got this guy man to man, wherever he goes and just, you know, jam the hell out of him and chase him down. And you know, he's not, he's not, he's 30 some years old, right? He can't do that anymore. Um, but we had Terrence Newman here who was almost 40 for God's sake. And he was, he was making plays just because he's so damn smart. And, you know, Peterson is, I think, in a system now with Donatello that allows him some of that mobility and freedom to disguise and do those things and be a little more cagey and meaning that it plays more into, you know, him as a veteran. Um, you know, does he get turned around a little bit? Does he get out of position every once in a while? Yeah, of course he does. But um, yeah, is he, can he run like he used to? Absolutely not. But he's, he's, he's still a very, very good cornerback. Yeah. Pete, great stuff, man. Thanks Thank for you, uh, man. joining us. Really appreciate the insight. Enjoy Racine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I'm going to go check out the nuclear plant you know, and uh, go from there. there go. Sounds delightful. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Thanks, Pete. Pete Persich, Minnesota Vikings color analyst, joined us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, last year, the Phoenix Suns started 1-3, and three, and everybody read into it. This year, they've started 3-1. and one. Can we read anything into this year's start? We'll get into that straight ahead. Typically, a Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It, it gives us stress, right? I mean, you, you have to bring it to, to beat that team. And so you, you play with maximum effort. Um, and, and they put you on your heels to see how you respond. I thought yesterday, uh, both teams, especially um, early until we got ahead pretty far, both teams threw haymakers. And, and the other uh, the opponent responded. And I thought it was good for us, and I thought it was good for them. Uh, because if we want to be the team that, that we think we can be, uh, we'll have to beat, beat really good teams. That's James Jones, general manager. 
Badger of the Phoenix Suns on with Burns and Gambo here on Arizona Sports yesterday talking about what that win over Golden State, even though it's only in the fourth game of the season, what that can do to this team moving forward. And I don't know the answer to that question, Vic. What I will say in the now was starting off 3-1 and one with a win over Dallas, that was a bit of a, a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. To beat the Clippers the way they beat them yep. and to beat the Warriors the way they beat yep. them. And even the loss against Portland doesn't look bad now because Portland's off to a really, really hot start. Um, it's got to do something for the Suns psychologically. We know this is a good basketball team. And, you know, is it is it a complete roster? No. Neither one of us thinks that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the playoffs were to start today, would they be equipped from a personnel standpoint to, to, to get through the Western Conference? Maybe not. But from a psychological standpoint, um, you can't really nitpick much about what's gone on in these first four games. No, it's been a really good yeah, start. Other than other than DA missing the free throw after getting put on the spot by Damian Lillard, and and but but again, I think when well, what we saw against Golden State and the way Golden State tried to goon that game up, and the way the Suns were not biting, the way the Suns were yapping and talking, but in control of their emotions, there was a maturity there that that really uh, clearly it's changed the way I, I'm, I'm looking at this basketball team because that. To me, that has been such a missing element. And you look at that game in Portland. What Damian Lillard recognized with DeAndre Ayton was immaturity, a guy who had never been in that situation and wasn't sure if he could handle the emotions of that moment. Uh, that's, that's in, a, in effect, what Golden State was trying to do on a larger level, and and they got smoked in doing it. So I, I, I really love just the emotional maturity that I'm seeing from Devin Booker because that's where it all begins. Yeah. And if and if he, he once again, if he's going to be a superstar this year, it's going to change everything I think about this basketball team. But it, they, they've gotten off to exactly the start we had all hoped that the Cardinals would have gotten off to. Um, a, also a team that had to atone for a terrible postseason performance the year before and so I I'm, I'm glad I'm really happy that they've done this I I hope it's sustainable um and and I hope that you know they just keep adding pieces and get better it's yeah. it's it's the way you you would have hoped that they would have started the season I've said it before Vinny and I'm just owning up to it I just thought okay this is a team that's going to get their hats handed to them by the Clippers and the Warriors in succession. And wow, what is that going to sound and feel like? And it's just the exact opposite. Yeah, if you would have told me, even after the opener um, against Dallas, and we knew this first stretch of, of schedule is really tough, but if you would have told me about the uh, after the opener, hey, that was the one win. They're going to lose their next three in a row. I might have believed you. Mm-hmm. Now they lost. You know they lost to Portland, but followed it up with two very sturdy wins. And you know they're in the midst of a very tough homestand right now. They get New Orleans. They got Houston yep. coming in, and, and Houston's a young team, and they're building, but they got a ton of talent. Portland twice, Minnesota's coming in. This is a real rough stretch. You mentioned Devin Booker on uh, the strides he's taken so far. Uh, James Jones commented uh, to Burns and Gamble on that very subject, too. Devin's always had a desire to be a complete player, and you know he moves on from mastery uh, of one craft to mastery in another area, and I thought coming into the season, he would, he would take a step forward in handling the ball and decision-making 
understanding that teams would trap them, um, really having a command of the offense and, and getting guys in the right spot so that they can be effective. But then defensively, he's really um, he's taking another step. I, I think it's the game is slowed down, and, and more importantly, he has the the bandwidth and the capacity to play both ends of the floor at a high level. Uh, it's really taxing when you're asking a guy to score 30 points a game. Uh, sometimes his mental reserves can be tapped, but he's he's proven that um, from a physical standpoint, uh, from an emotional standpoint, he's ready to take a larger role, and he's been doing that early in the season. Couple things to pivot off there: yeah. the, the defensive effort and you know improvement year to year. Early in the career of Devin Booker, I would have never believed he'd be a good defensive player. He is a good defensive player right now. No, I agree. But also, you know, early in his career, the talent was evident, and you knew he could score in different ways. But, and this is not a finished product right now, but through four games, the efficiency with which he is scoring, Mm -hmm. and it's not just scoring 20 points a game. He's averaging 32.5 points a game. Yeah. He's shooting nearly 50% on threes, 53% from the floor. I don't have the stat in front of me, but somebody tweeted on the subject of he's the only guy among the league leaders in in the NBA in scoring that's also not among the league leaders in usage. So the efficiency with which he's doing it right now, he's making it look easy almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, and and I think, again, if you were just going to put together a small group of players who are are at the very top of a very, very, very early MVP conversation, Mm -hmm. it's Giannis, who was, again, just monstrous last night. It's Devin Booker. It's probably Damian Lillard. Yeah. Yeah. Lowry marketing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. What is up with the Jazz? I, uh, it, what happened? Explain that to me. Yeah, explain that to me. The fact that they can win in those uniforms. Oh, my uh, goodness. Believe me, the ownership and front office is saying, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, they're pissed. Of, um, this is not right. supposed to be happening. Plan. We well, want we to got, win on opening yeah. night, and that's it. <laughs> right. We've got these draft picks we need to utilize. Come on now. <laughs> um, it, well, it, it's interesting, interesting that you should bring that up with about the uniforms, because I don't know if you saw this story, but this is a apparently a renaissance year for the color orange. That two of the top five football programs in college are primarily orange, Tennessee and Clemson. Ah, and then you've right. got the University of Illinois, who's got a great defense, and, and Syracuse. they're orange. Syracuse and then, has had a good year. And then you've got Planet Orange, so who knows? The Suns? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a big orange gal myself. The yeah. Baltimore Orioles? Oh, that's my favorite about, color. It's about the brightest color in the spectrum. Yeah. My... Uh, Incredibly pale skin tone. It's like, don't do that. See, I like orange. As an, <laughs> I like orange as an accent color. Sure. Yeah. Orange is my favorite color. Orange. orange. By the way, <laughs> I, I know you're a big uniform guy. Check out the uniforms that the Tennessee Volunteers are wearing. This oh, weekend. the black you ones. Saw those? Oh, oh yeah, they're yeah. Incredible. They're wearing blackout incredible. uniforms with just the orange. Black and orange. Oh. Perfect for Halloween. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll hit the nine o'clock hour. Sarah taking us through some social studies on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata. That's next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.